This is an ABC podcast. Hey, don't tell anyone this, but I've heard that at any one time we are keeping 13 of our own secrets. So, what's the secret that you have never told a single soul? What's your big one that nobody knows? Keeping secrets has this way of acting like an insidious cancer or like acid in the way that it just like slowly erodes and undermines your self-respect. Protecting some secrets can destroy you, while other secrets can leave you feeling completely alone. It's hard. Try and make friends with someone and they open up about their past and their life and things like that and, and you just never really feel like you can. And then the friendship just stops. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about our secrets. Secrets are everywhere. They're universal. They're part of life. But some secrets are both hard to keep and impossible to share. So how do you do it? How do you know who to trust, when to disclose a secret, and when is it okay not to? Often shameful secrets are things that you have flashbacks to. There's a fear of being judged. There's a fear of how others might actually reject you. And there's a fear of how you might reject yourself. That's Gillian Strager. She's a psychotherapist and her role in this episode is to help us understand why we have secrets and how they hold such power. Here's a bit of a list of the kinds of secrets Gillian hears the most. A shame about some flaw that the person imagines that they actually have. Because we keep secrets from ourselves as well, Yumi. So... Infidelity is a common one. Feeling an imposter is often a secret that people have. Men and women, I don't like sort of stereotypes too much, but let's just indulge for the moment in the stereotype. I think men very often have the imposter syndrome, that they're performing as a CEO, but inside they actually feel that they're very small or not so competent and they have to keep that a secret from everybody in the workplace. Women might often have secrets about their anxieties about attractiveness or they might keep secrets about that they're not quite as turned on by the partner as the partner might think they are. Also secrets about history that people might have been had sexual abuse as children and it's interesting that the shame comes to rest with the victim often and not the perpetrator and they can be very anxious about that. And there are also reasons, because if they disclose it, often they then become defined by other people as the victim of sexual abuse, and the complexity of who they are gets lost. Mental illness in the family is often hidden, so if there's a relative that's bipolar or somebody has committed suicide, there's often very, very unfortunately and sadly, and that's changing somewhat, but there are a lot of secrets around that as well. Jill, I'm thinking about things that I haven't disclosed to people like my partner. And I don't know if it's fear of the consequences so much as just not wanting to talk about it. Can sometimes it just be private? I definitely believe that we need privacy because that's why we are made so that 
people can't read our thoughts. We are definitely entitled to have our own inner subjectivity and our own inner lives. I would ask, if you were in the rooms with me, is there a particular reason why you would prefer not to talk if you're naturally an introvert? That's fine. But I think in the therapy space, one probes it a bit further and say, okay, why is it important to you not to talk? What does it give you not to talk? And it may indeed give you a reward not to talk, that you don't have to feel everything has to be in the shared space. And what would happen if you did talk? Because I think with social media, we are having less and less and less private space. So to have some private space, even if it's from your partner, feels to me a positive too. What about the secrets that we keep from ourselves? Well, we might hide from ourselves, for example, that we're angry people. We might hide from ourselves that while we say that we are passionate about climate change, we don't actually stop going on our overseas holiday in the plane that's putting a lot of emissions into the air. We kind of dissociate from that bit in order to protect ourselves. Have you been looking at my um, passport? Because <laughs> I feel bad now. No, Yumi, I've been looking at my own. <laughs> I always use the examples that I'm guilty of. So secrets aren't just about holding in the fact that you know your best friend had an affair or that you have a Chinese character tattooed on your ass cheek. Those are things that you don't necessarily want to share with everyone. But secrets also include stuff that we're keeping from ourselves. It's what therapists call cognitive dissonance, basically where you think one thing but do another, like people who say, I'm really into healthy living while drinking two bottles of wine. It's not being honest with yourself. But let's get back to secrets because they're tasty, right? And even sitting here now, I'm realising that I have a few secrets of my own that are buried so deep, it's actually like they've almost disappeared. Researchers from Columbia University in the States have a website called keepingsecrets.org, which has worked out the top 38 secrets people normally keep. And they're not all negative. They include the secret people keep when they're planning to propose marriage and secret work ambitions. High up on the list is secrecy about finances. But predictably, some of the most common secrets people keep are about sex. Things like being into porn or fantasising about someone outside of your relationship. When we asked you about your secrets, sex came up heaps. I'm a female. We have a lot of secrets. <laughs> I had an affair with a married man. He was not only married, but he also had two children and he was my old boss. I knew his wife and we are friends. My secret is that I'm a 28-year-old woman and I've never had sex. It's really awkward and it's really embarrassing. I'm into bondage, but he doesn't know that. I finish myself after we have sex. <laughs> I go to the bathroom and like, yeah. <laughs> oh, probably like people that you find attractive just randomly. Me and my friend, we would masturbate at the water turbines. And that was like how I discovered masturbation, which I then tried out later with my parents' electronic toothbrush, which nobody knows, <laughs> except for now everybody. So secrets about sex can kind of be funny and innocuous, or they can alienate you from almost everyone in your life. 
people ask you what you've been doing and stuff and you can't say anything. You just lie and then your lies get caught up with other lies and it's really exhausting. Honestly, I think sex work is probably one of the most emotionally demanding jobs that there is. And then when you throw a drug addiction on top of it, it's full on. This is Jess, which isn't her real name. She's got two young kids, is married to a supportive partner, and for part of her 20s, she worked as a sex worker. She was 19 when she started. I was lost. I was a lost soul. I know that sounds like a really shitty excuse, but I just... I I sort of didn't have any family or friends around and I was very promiscuous as it was. So one night a bartender just said to me, you know, you're sleeping with all these people anyway, why don't you make some money off it? And I just had nowhere else to go really and I just sort of, the first time I saw a brothel I was like, oh my God, no. But the second time I went up there, the manager just instantly was like a mum figure and all the girls were lovely and I was pretty much doing what I was doing on the weekends anyway, but just making money for it. So it just sort of happened, I guess. Jess worked in brothels for about six years. It was a mixed experience. Sometimes she felt incredibly powerful, but when she became addicted to ice, she says her life began to fall apart. When you become a bad user, you can't hide it. I started working completely sober and I got introduced to drugs maybe halfway through. I didn't start working to support a habit. It was the complete opposite. Once Jess fell pregnant with her first kid, she quit everything cold turkey and her life looks really different now. It's more suburban and her past, well, that's her biggest secret. My partner knows, but no one in his family know. None of our friends know. Yeah. There's so much stigma around the sex industry that it makes it hard to feel okay about what you're doing because society is so, oh, yuck, look at her. Girls and boys react completely differently. Girls sort of go one of two ways. They just think, oh, you're so cool. I want to be like you. Let's hang out. Teach me how to suck dick. (laughs) And guys automatically think that they have an in or they're disgusted. Same with girls. It's never really a positive reaction. Have you been burnt trying to open up to the wrong person or something? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. And what happens when you do it, when you disclose to the wrong person? For starters, it's then you see them off in a corner talking to their other friends or whatever. And they're and all then, looking over at you. And they're all just like, oh, and then the boyfriend will come over and start giving you funny looks and stuff every time his missus turns around and you're like, oh, it's just the worst. Girls are bitches when they want to be. And you can absolutely open up to them and it doesn't matter if you're bawling your eyes out. They've got some little bit of gossip and gossip makes the world go round. So off they go. (laughs) And then you never hear from them again. Man, that sucks. Has disclosing your secret ever actually worked out well? I don't think so, no. Have you ever had to pay the price for sharing the secret, like when someone's used it against you? I think it's more, it's like they have something over you. We had a child's birthday with all our family and friends there and someone that was coming, I had a feeling that they had found out from someone. There's that constant, like, even the way he treats me and talks to me now, it's like he has something over me 
and I know that he knows, but I'm not going to turn around and say anything to him and he's not going to turn around and say anything to me. So it's like I feel so anxious around him. I'm so nice to him all the time, like even though he's a dick, but he has that over me because I haven't disclosed it because it is something that I'm ashamed of. Just getting to the stigma around sex work, is it the social stigma that's kept you from telling your secret? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. If you could walk down the road and tell someone that you were a working girl the same as someone turns around and says they're a waitress, they'd be everywhere. And I honestly, I wonder all the time how many women are sitting at home thinking of what they're going to tell their family at Sunday night dinner or, you know, what they're going to tell their boyfriend when they come home after a weekend shift or whatever it is. And it, I just think it's so unfair. Are you worried that someone will recognise your voice or they'll they'll hear your story and go, I know that person? Oh, absolutely. Right. But at the end of the day, I spoke to my partner about it and to my best friend and I have forever wanted to help young women, especially girls in my position where I don't understand how so many people can make mistakes in their life and everybody just gets over it, but then you throw in something like sex work and it's something that has to stick with you for the rest of your life and it's not fair. And I think that so many young women need support and need to know that they're not the only ones and that it's not dirty and that they will find a partner that loves them and it's not the be-all and end-all. So, you know, what if someone recognises me and is like, oh, well, there she is, well, fuck you. I'm doing this to help people. And me. I need to help me too. I like one of the things you've just said, Jessica, It's this idea that what you have done in your past that's your secret has left a permanent stain on your soul and you're saying, actually, I'm completely fine. That happened and I've moved past. Is that right? Absolutely. And I just, I think so many people make mistakes, whether you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or you drink drive when you're 19 or you hit someone on a night out and you, you know, like whatever it is, everyone makes mistakes. And I'm not saying that my job choice was a mistake. I think certain things that I did in my job was, but I just don't understand how everyone can forgive all these other mistakes, but prostitution and sex work is something that will just stick with you forever. Like if I ever wanted to be, say, for instance, famous, like this is something that would stick with me for the rest of my life. People don't just forget about it and move on. Like they would dig it up and find it. It's like you can't ever live it down. Do you think you'd tell your kids when they're older? I I don't know. Like, I've thought about it and I think oh, maybe when they're older and grown, when I have the chance to sit down and explain to them properly what it involved and things like that, then maybe. But it's it's not really on top of my list, no. The way this secret has affected my life it has affected every aspect of it from friendships to relationships to the way i raise my sons to my relationship with my partner's family i feel like the stigma around my secret is what made me feel so much shame and now talking about it i feel like not only am i helping other people but i'm helping myself let go We asked Gillian, the psychotherapist, what she makes of keeping a secret that society doesn't want us to reveal. 
I would say that's an incredibly painful sort of position to to be in. And again, to sort of normalize it in a sense, if we think about the fact that gay people, and there are many, many, many gay people were in that position not that long ago of being forced to be in the closet because of society's reactions. I would be wanting to say to Jessica, you know, it's inevitable that all those social judgments come to rest inside of yourself. And first one has to come to terms with that and be quite well grounded in, I can accept that this is who I am. I understand my context and my being and my involvement in that. And I will accept the social judgment if it comes, which is what gay people did coming out of the closet. And quite often they found that people did accept them more than they thought they would, although there were and still are people that are homophobic. In Jessica's situation, is it okay for her to lie? Yes, I think that she can actually say something about those six years. She'd have to think quite hard about how she was going to say it because the problem is the further from the truth you wonder, the more the chances are that there will be a revelation. But do I think that we have an obligation to just tell anybody and everybody our story? No. And if that happens to involve a a white lie, in my view, I'm not a purist. I think you've got to sort of weigh up what is the good of telling this and what is the harm in telling this. So so she doesn't owe everyone her story. I'd say she absolutely doesn't owe mm. everybody her story. She's got kids, by the way, and she thinks she doesn't want them to know when they get older. Again, I would say that, you know, you do need to protect your children. Children might have some difficulty actually coming to terms with that because of the way in which society relates to it. It would be pretty important for them not to have knowledge that they can't actually deal with. So I think she's got every right to not speak it. She would have to think about when they're older and they're in the world, whether they could cope with it or not, and whether they would be likely to find out in any event. Or she could say, quite honestly, look, I had a lot of trauma in those years and I I really sort of don't feel that great about talking about it, which for me would be another option because she's signalling that there's something difficult. She's not disclosing what the difficulty is and she's declaring her right to keep her own story to herself. I would have to meet Jessica, but I would be more inclined to go to that option The more significant the secret, the more it weighs on your mind and the more negative the impact is. That's Dr Katie Greenaway. She's a social psychologist from the University of Melbourne. Remember how I said at the start of this episode that we keep 13 of our own secrets at any given time? I didn't just make that up. It's from research Dr Katie's been involved in. They also found we're keeping about 17 secrets for other people. And that this whole process of keeping a secret, whether it's someone else's or your own, does have an emotional toll. What's harmful about secrecy isn't necessarily having to conceal that information from other people. It's not the times that we're in front of someone who we know can't know a piece of information and we have to remember to conceal that. It's actually the times that we're alone with our secret 
that is the most harmful for our well-being. So it's thinking repetitively when we're alone about that piece of information, having it come to mind in a way that we don't feel like we can necessarily control. That's what seems to be really harmful about secrecy. So ironically, you know, what's bad about keeping a secret isn't necessarily that it cuts you off from other people, but it's being alone with that information that seems to really harm us. What we do know a little bit about is what makes us confide in other people. We want to confide in one of two types of people. One is a compassionate person, someone with empathy who we think is going to be able to understand us. And the other is an assertive person, which might sound a little strange, but really who we want to confide in are people who are going to help us solve our problems. We either want someone who understands us or someone who's going to help us in some way. Mm, I like that. Are there any benefits to keeping other people's secrets? Certainly, I think being confided in has this real social boost for us. It promotes intimacy with the other person. It makes us feel as though we're in a, a valuable and valued relationship. And so I think that's a, a benefit that we can't overlook. But I always tell people, you know, to have a think if they're considering confiding in someone else, to maybe try and test the waters a little bit and get a sense of whether that person would feel comfortable actually knowing this information uh, initially before just dropping that information on them. So I think trying to ask for a bit of consent in these kinds of relationships is really important as well. I can totally understand how sharing secrets builds intimacy. I see it all the time in my relationships. Once you share something, it brings you together. But what about secrets that destroy intimacy? I was in New York on an acting workshop. I fell pretty hard into a really passionately ignited affair with a guy who was quite a bit younger than me, and that continued for about two and a half weeks to the end of the acting school and then it came to a close and it blew up my life. This is Beth. She's in her early 30s and when she was with her partner, she cheated on him three times and always kept it a secret. This is Beth talking about the first time she cheated. So while I was over in New York doing this six-week intensive, he was back home and we were in a really... I guess, precious and fragile part of our relationship because we were looking to take it into the next step in terms of like buying an apartment together and moving towards settling down. And it was at that point that I found myself engaged with another guy. Wow. So that sounds like you, it caught you off guard. Oh, it completely caught me off guard. And that was what was so surprising and shocking about the experience and I think why I made the choice to withhold the information and keep it a secret was because in the first instance, I just couldn't even understand why I had done this because I knew how much I loved my boyfriend. But then I also knew that if I did tell him what had happened, the chances of us staying together were slim to nil. Mm. And I just couldn't, I wasn't ready or able or mature enough to face those consequences. So I chose the coward's response, which was to lie. Did your boyfriend suspect anything? Yeah, he did. And he asked me several times, at which point I lied to his face. Yeah. And I even went so far as to construct sort of an alternate narrative around being attracted to somebody but not going there, which I guess was sort of like a red herring diversionary tactic that I used to validate his intuition mm. whilst also getting myself off the hook. So that's kind of gaslighting him. Yeah. Yeah, it's a form of emotional abuse for sure. 
I was so conscious in my lies to never make him feel like he was, quote, crazy. I knew that that was the wrong thing to do. And I knew that I couldn't blame him for asking me these questions. So my approach was to just sort of like stay calm and cool and just sort of dismiss it like it wasn't a thing. But then sort of realizing that that was still just a way of me manipulating him or persuading him into denying his own truth. And it was when I really engaged with that, that I realized that I, that I had to come clean and give back what I had stolen from him. So you and your boyfriend, your Aussie boyfriend, eventually broke up because, you know, just the relationship was winding up. But after that, so the dust has settled, you decided to tell him your secret. Why? So the main reason I decided to keep this all a secret was because I didn't want it to be the reason that we broke up. I was so terrified of losing him and I was also just so scared of facing the consequences of my actions that when we finally did break up, I realised that it was through my lying that I may have in fact contributed to eroding the foundation of our relationship. For a long time, I believed that I was 100% the cause. I can now see in retrospect that there were other things happening and there is never any one clear and specific reason why people break up. We actually broke up because it looked like we were headed in different directions and I think that that is in fact the case. But when I realised that I had been so instrumental in creating an environment of deception and lack of true intimacy and I still loved him and I still believed in our connection, I just felt immensely compelled to tell him the truth and attempt to repair the rupture, which in fact resulted in burning it all to the ground. So what, what, like, what did you do? Did you sit him down and, talk, and tell him what had happened? I made the choice about a month after we broke up. I sat on it in which time I actually consulted the St. James Ethics Centre in order to process what I was trying to come to terms with, like the sort of ethical tension between like desire to disclose and desire to do no harm. Right. So you actually rang up like, yeah. the, like the ethics line. Yeah. I had a <laughs> like 90-minute counselling session right. with a wonderful ethics counsellor. Yeah, and it really helped me refine my, my moral compass. I was like, God, I wish I'd done this two years ago. And so from that place, I became really clear on the reasons why I wanted to tell him. And then I reached out and I asked if we could meet up for a coffee. I said that I had something important that I needed to tell him. About three months after having initially reached out, I, I sent him a letter with the full confession and apology. I tried to do a lot in that letter. I tried to do too much. It was, <laughs> uh, it was naive. It was very clunky. I was doing my best to navigate what was an impossible situation. So you just disclosed the affairs that you had? Yeah. And how was it received? Sorry. Um, it didn't go down well. He responded via WhatsApp message 
indicating a very clear boundary, asking that I never contact him again and expressing what I was, you know, significant anger and hurt. We haven't spoken since. I can't let myself regret anything because I just have to make choices to move forward and do better. If someone's listening to this and they're keeping a secret, a dark secret, what do you think that they're carrying? Oh, my God, what are they carrying? An individual is the only person that can know the full weight of what they're holding on to. But from my experience, I believe that you always know what you should do. And if you're holding a secret from someone and it weighs heavy on you, you're carrying a poison that will affect you and your life and your relationships in ways that are not clear because it is operating at such a deep, deep level. Okay, the thing about Beth's story, apart from the fact that she rang an ethics centre for advice on an ethical issue, like, did you know that you could do that? The thing is, I'm confused. What is the difference between a secret and a lie? We asked Gillian, the psychotherapist, what's the difference? Well, I think a secret is something which is, how could I put it? It's sort of an act of omission. It's an absence of saying something. Whereas a lie is a, it's a presence. You actively are saying something that isn't true. So I do think there's a difference between keeping a secret, which is not telling something, and actively saying something to put the person off the track. This battle of whether to disclose infidelity, does that come up a lot in therapy? It comes up a huge amount in therapy. And one of the things we'll spend a long, long time doing is looking at the costs of disclosing. And there are costs to the partner, to the children, to other people in the extended family versus the costs of not disclosing. And that's pretty idiosyncratic. And it also depends on how you see your partner. So some partners, if you feel you're being gaslit, even though you might be furious, you might feel relieved. Okay, that's a validation of my perception. I'm not going mad. Another person might find it easier to live with the ambiguity because, and that's the secret we keep from ourselves. So I kind of know, but I don't really want to know because I'm not sure I could live with my wife or my husband if I knew. So that's a different one to I'm relieved that I know. Now we can either decide to go forward or we can call it a day. Professor, Beth really grappled with the desire to disclose and also this desire to do no harm. What do you tell people if they're weighing up disclosing a secret like infidelity? Well, I think with Beth it was complicated by the gaslighting and I feel that in deciding to tell him, I think she was making a choice for his sanity even if it meant that she paid a price, which was that the relationship blew up. I wouldn't be prescriptive, but if you were to ask me, do I think that she made a good choice, I'd say yes, because she chose his sanity above the connection. It would have been lovely if they both could have existed, the connection and the sanity, but I think she made a choice for somebody else's good. 
I think she was very brave to do it because it's not easy. If you can zoom out from that room where you're consulting with somebody and fast forward in time, is there in your mind like always a revelation or can people like take these secrets to the grave? I think some people do take the secrets to the grave. And And is it like nursing a tumour? Like is it bad for you? You know, honestly, I'm aware this is frustrating, but it's really culturally. In my mother's generation, people took hundreds of secrets to their grave and it was accepted that actually you didn't tell the secret. Because of our world of social media and transparency, the idea is that everything should be out in the open and we should be authentic. Who says? It's really to challenge as well those kinds of social myths. So, yes, if you feel for you, the better option is to take the secret to the grave, even though it's killing you, because you know that if you tell it, your partner will be so mortally wounded they can't cope they blow up the relationship the marriage would collapse the children would be in a totally distressed state that's that's your choice it really is Mm -hmm. as long as you've really thought about it it's not a one-size-fits-all I guess is what I'm saying which is what you've been saying the whole time but I'm so refreshed to hear that said that it's not and a moral obligation to reveal every single thing that you that you have, every stain and every shame. <laughs> totally not. No. Thank God for that, because it took me long enough, but I finally remember that secret that is so bad I buried it deep enough to actually forget about it. It's about that time that I went to a rock concert and I got that <laughs> I And it was really bad and I don't want to have to remember and I certainly don't want to talk about it on the radio. But, hey, if I felt like owning up, I could definitely tell everyone about that other time that I was car while I'm eating Doritos and which I definitely wouldn't do because Doritos are gross. (laughs) That feels better. At least I know, A, I'm not the only one around town carrying a secret, and B, maybe talking about it with a trusted friend could unburden me a little. Like everything, it's a totally personal decision. There's definitely nothing wrong with carrying something to the grave like our grandparents did and cuddling it for eternity. Ah, my terrible secret. Come here, smush, smush. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Jane Curtis. Supervising producer is Cassandra Steeth and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Have you always wanted to listen to a true crime podcast where it's a woman being the badass? Well, at long last, I have got one for you. It's called Snowball and it's about a female con artist who marries into a New Zealand family. Within a few months, she disappears to the US, never to be seen again, and the family loses more than a million bucks. Their lives are shattered. You should check it out. Have a listen to Unravel Snowball. As always, you can download it at the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your shifty podcasts.